Hello, and welcome to the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. I'm your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. I've been studying the Tao Te Ching for just short of a year now, and have reconnected with a natural feeling of inner peace and contentment. I don't hold a doctorate, nor am I qualified to teach anything about the Tao Te Ching. I'm just an ordinary person who has experienced the wonderful side effects of following the Tao. Since everyone's experience with this wisdom is different, the only thing that I can hope for is that mine helps you to connect with a Tao in your own unique, personal way. Feel free to listen to each episode a day at a time, or anytime you need a quick Tao shot. You can listen while you're on your way to work, or after that, when you're winding down. It's always a good time to observe the Tao. In each episode, we'll do four things. One, we'll read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, I'll break it down into everyday language. Three, I'll share my own thoughts and experience. And four, I'll leave you with a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. Thanks for joining me today and enjoy this episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. Verse 74, Disqualifying Ourselves from Managing If people do not fear death, why attempt to frighten them by capital punishment? Supposing the people are made constantly afraid of death so that when they commit unlawful acts, I arrest them and have them killed, who will dare afterwards to misbehave? For then there will always be civil magistrates to execute them. Now the execution of men on behalf of the inflictor of the death punishment by those not legally qualified to do so may be compared to hewing on behalf of a master carpenter. And people who attempt to hew instead of a master carpenter mostly cut their hands. That's verse 74 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by Frederick Henry Balfour. Next, let's break it down. This verse has two parts to it, and we'll take each part, one idea, at a time. Part one talks about the penalty of game over, and part two talks about the risk of management. When we're talking about game over, we're talking about death. It's over. We're done. <laughs> There's no more living. So Lao Tzu makes the case. He says, if people don't fear death, then why use it as a threat? It just doesn't exist for them. So it's kind of ineffective. That's number one. And then number two is he's like, okay, well, suppose that people are afraid of death. Like who's actually qualified to hold that over anyone's head? I mean, think about it. I, me as an individual, I don't think that I'm qualified to do any of that. So if I'm not qualified, I think I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. <laughs> but for real, like 
I don't need to threaten anybody with death. I don't need to threaten anybody with fear. I don't need to threaten anyone with aggravation, anger, or anything else because I'm simply just not qualified to do it. Further, I am not qualified to threaten my own self with fear, nor am I qualified to threaten my own self with death or any of those other things. The only thing I'm qualified to do, as far as my interpretation goes, for right now, is give myself over to the Tao and work in harmony with that. So that's my interpretation of part one. Now, part two talks about the risk of management. Now, the thing about, for me, I can decide that I'm qualified at any time. That's part of my humanness. That's part of my ego, my consciousness, right? I can consciously create with intent to be in harmony with the Tao, and I can consciously create to be in disharmony with the Tao. Both of those things work. And we've seen throughout the podcast that it is, you know, it's pretty much up to me whether or not I go into harmony with the Tao or not. And I've found out that being in harmony with the Tao feels a lot better. Right. Um, so, so part two basically says, okay, well, look, if you choose, just know that, you know, choices have consequences. So if I choose to be in harmony with the Tao, cool, no harm, no foul right there. Right. There's like, I'm doing the best I can and and that's just, I'm good. But if I choose to decide to threaten others with death or fear or anger, or if I choose to threaten myself, then I'm actually kind of taking a risk. I have found in my life that I can run the risk of my efforts backfiring and turning upon me. And I think that's the main point here because he says, the execution of men on behalf of the inflictor of the death punishment must be compared to hewing on behalf of a master carpenter and people who attempt to hew instead of a master carpenter mostly cut their hands. So when I try to wield a threat of death or anger or fear over somebody, it will come back and blow up in my face. Maybe. I mean, that's a risk, right? Sometimes not. Sometimes it will, but I mean, at this point in my life, I'm kind of not willing to risk that. So I feel like that talks about the risk of management in the second part of this verse. So let's put it back together. Let's remember that verse 74 has two parts. Part one talks about this threat or this penalty of game over. It either matters or it doesn't. And if it does matter, then part two talks about the risk of management. Do I want to risk it backfiring or can I just be sure and stay in harmony with the Tao? So let's put that back together. I'll read verse 74 again. If people do not fear death, why attempt to frighten them by capital punishment? Supposing the people are made constantly afraid of death. So when they commit unlawful acts, I arrest them and have them killed. Who will dare afterwards to misbehave? For then there will always be civil magistrates to execute them. Now, the execution of folks on behalf of the inflictor of the death punishment by those not legally qualified to do so may be compared to hewing on behalf of a master carpenter. And people who attempt to hew instead of a master carpenter mostly cut their hands. 
Let's take a look at some of the things this verse made me think about today when considering disqualifying ourselves from managing. There are two things. Number one is the irrelevance of death. And number two is the master carpenter's hatchet. The irrelevance of death. Verse 13 says something like, the reason why I have great trouble is because I have a body and I'm attached to it. Remember when we talked about the reason why we can sometimes be afraid of things other than physical stuff, like a diminishing in social status or a fear of things not going our way? We said that if our bodies didn't exist, we wouldn't care about death. If we weren't trying to be ambitious socially, there would be no shame. And if I didn't care about the future there'd be nothing to worry about. <laughs> so let's bear this in mind as we explore the first part of verse 74 today. It starts off by saying that if the people aren't afraid of death, what's the use in threatening them with it? Lao Tzu is putting us in the position of the ruler here and is calling us to imagine how we can govern with negative reinforcement. He says, if the negative thing, whatever it is, isn't a thing, it won't work. So Totally a mind game, put into this context. Death aside, what other mind games do we play with ourselves? If I do this or that, I'll feel just fine. If I had this or felt this way, my life would be perfect. If so-and-so would do this for me, I would feel confident enough to be myself. <laughs> As my own ruler, I continually used to bait myself with fake incentives. Because eventually, I did do this or that, and I still didn't feel fine. So-and-so did do that for me, and I was confident for a little while, but the insecurities came back like they always do. I suppose we're getting at the irrelevancy of using the threat of something to govern either people or ourselves. Now, Lao Tzu looks at the other side of the death coin. He says... Well, suppose people would be afraid of death. That's a good tool, he seems to be saying. But who is really qualified to use that tool? Bearing in mind that whole humility discussion we had, if I am just another traveler on this path, and I'm not better than anyone because we're all on our own journeys, how could I even begin to justify purposely denying somebody else their ability to travel their own journey? It doesn't seem right at all. Like, not in a that's morally wrong, righteous kind of way, but more in a, oh, wow, I really shouldn't do that kind of way. <laughs> so going back to my own fears that I hold over my own head, am I really qualified to do that? Like, let's take a more concrete example. I tell myself that if my spouse would just listen to me, we'd have a great relationship because I wouldn't feel like I needed to assert myself. What am I doing except placing a condition on my emotional well-being? I am doing that. She's not. I am the ruler threatening me with a negative outcome. Let's suppose that I worked through this issue and no longer needed my spouse to act a certain way. I learned how to interpret her words and actions in a way that allows me to realize that she really does care for me. And then that conditional well-being stuff ceases to exist. If I'm open to looking at the situation differently, the outcome actually changes. So in this case, the fear of death I'm supposedly using becomes irrelevant. There is no death. 
there is no conflict between us because I have changed what it means. Now, the flip side, even if that negative outcome was real for me, even if I needed her to act a certain way in order for me to feel okay, should I really be the one trying to manipulate that? In a relationship, either with myself or others, should I really be trying to control outcomes that way? By wishing the other person was different? I mean, what qualifies me to decide how somebody should or shouldn't be? Well, I'll tell you. Nothing. <laughs> because what qualifies someone else to tell me how I should or shouldn't be? I mean, nobody can do that, even if I think they can. It simply just is impossible. So after considering the first part of this verse today, I'm more okay with this. Threatening the people, threatening the people in my life, and threatening me with death or fear is simply irrelevant. If the fear doesn't stick, the threat looks silly and doesn't work. If the fear does stick, I'm just not qualified to use it by virtue of what I understand humility to be. So, on to the next part of the verse, where Lao Tzu says that we can wield that threat if we want to anyway, but we're taking a big risk. The Master Carpenter's Hatchet Did you ever try to unload your worry onto somebody, calling it venting? But deep down you just needed someone else to worry about other than you because you were tired of it? Uncomfortable though it is to admit, I catch myself doing this once in a while with my spouse. Or sometimes when I feel insecure about something, I need to see that others feel the same way so that I don't feel as bad. I mean, one part of that is me looking for solidarity, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But the other, sneakier, darker part of me that is wanting someone else to shoulder the responsibility of being concerned about something that's bothering me. <laughs> Sick. What I am doing in these cases is projecting, impinging, or demanding that someone else handle my insecurity for me. Sometimes people do, and sometimes they don't. And when they do, I actually do feel better. Like, that was great to get off my chest, and now I can think about other things. And like I said, sometimes I just need to talk about it, and that's okay. But when I'm trying to impress upon someone the dire consequences of an action or inaction, I am trying to instill fear and worry in them. For their own good, I say, they need to be made aware. But what am I doing? Why? I am trying to get someone to be subject to the same fear that I have in the moment so that I can feel better. For me, there is such a fine line there that is so easily blurred. The next question, I suppose, is how do I know when I'm crossing it? <laughs> well, two ways. I either recognize what I'm doing when I see the other person start to own my feelings for me, or the whole thing just doesn't stick. You know, when you sit down with that person, have a heart-to-heart, -heart, and tell them they need to worry about so-and-so or such-and-such, -and, and they shrug and say, not my problem. And I don't know about you, when this happens, I feel like I've slammed it with a brick wall nose first. I really, really hate the way that feels. <laughs> For a long time, I allowed that to create resentment between me and others. How dare they, I would say. I'm just trying to show you something that will make things better for you. I'm just trying to get you to see things so you don't have to learn them the hard way. 
But aren't I really just being lazy by trying to escape vulnerability? If I'm successful in projecting my insecurity onto someone, I feel like somehow I've dealt with it. Only haven't. I've just given it to someone else to deal with. And you know what's even more heinous? That person may deal with it in a healthy manner, perhaps. But perhaps that person won't, and perhaps they'll try to give it back. Like, in a lot of different ways. Because as humans, we are cunning creatures that have this ability to use language, circumstances, and imagination to convince ourselves and others that reality looks a certain way. So even if the other person tries to give it back directly and I reject that attempt, it will come out in other ways, ways of which I'm not even aware. I guess my point to all of this is that when I'm experiencing fear in its myriad forms, you know, insecurities, feelings of unworthiness, worries about the future, anxieties, I have a choice. I can either deal with it myself or I can not deal with it and try to project it onto someone else. And that someone may take it and they may not. But the bottom line is that if I do not render that fear inert, it will continue to eat away at me one way or the other. If I allow the fear to be present and try to get rid of it in an unhealthy manner, it comes back to me. Like most of the time. And in this case, I am the apprentice cutting my hands with the master carpenter's hatchet. I'm simply not qualified to manage my own fears and insecurities. Giving them to someone else to deal with, in my opinion, seems like managing. Rendering the fear inert, on the other hand, seems like dealing with whatever situation is causing the fear and allowing it to dissipate. In the role of the sage, I threaten myself with fear all the time. If I don't do this, bad things will happen. If I do do this, life will be more difficult, so I'd better just do it. If I show up wearing this, I'll be laughed at, or even worse, I'll be silently judged. If I don't get this done, I won't be good enough. If this thing I'm working on isn't awesome, all is lost. <laughs> How am I qualified to handle any of these things? I mean, I don't know about you, but I just can't handle all these emotions and still walk the path of the Tao. So... Where do these threats start? Well, they start with me trying to motivate myself to do things that are mostly born from selfish desires I have or from other people's fears that I have decided to own, in my opinion. The best thing to do for me right now is not to threaten myself in the first place. But when I do see that this is occurring because, yes, I'm human, and yes, it took a good long while to create these destructive thought patterns, so it'll take some time to rewire them, I can remember that I am not qualified to manage them. I don't need to cut my hands. I can pause, look at what I'm trying to handle, and set it down. I can realize what I'm doing or trying to do, and simply stop. Further, I can always ask the Tao to show me what to do next. If I am in earnest and willing to be vulnerable and willing to wait patiently for the Tao to reveal the right course of action. And of course, grateful for the fact that what I'm asking for <laughs> already exists. I'll stop there. To wrap up my experience with this verse today and considering disqualifying ourselves from managing, I thought about two things. Number one, 
was the irrelevance of death. And number two is the master carpenter's hatchet. For the final piece of this episode, let's consider how we can apply the principle of disqualifying ourselves from managing in this verse today. We are not helpless over fear. I have found, in fact, that fear is something that we can outgrow. Of course, it takes effort and willingness, but it's not something that we need to allow to rule us. Now, for me, fear comes in many forms. Sometimes I'm afraid of a particular outcome. Sometimes I am afraid that I will find myself out of control or not in control of a situation. Sometimes I'm afraid that if I do something or don't do something, I'll get disapproval or won't be able to capture approval. (laughs) Sometimes I'm afraid that I'm just not good enough. I feel like fear is a perfectly natural human reaction to things. But just because I experience it doesn't mean that I have to take it seriously. And there are things I can do that can sidestep fear. You know, like handling things while they are small, as Lao Tzu tells us in verse 63 and 64. But when that fear is upon me, it is difficult to handle when it's small, mostly because it doesn't feel like it's small. And those times, I look for the ways in which I caused my own fear. And if I look for my mistake, usually when I find it, the fear actually gets smaller and goes away. There are many tools out there for this. I'll share with you the method that works for me. In fact, we have talked about this method before in previous episodes. It always helps me to review, so I hope it helps you as well. So, there are five main questions that I'll ask myself. The first question is... What is this fear, or what am I afraid of? Sometimes I have trouble naming the fear I'm feeling in particular, and getting quiet to understand it a bit helps. Of course, I can always ask the Tao for help in any of these questions. Question number two is, if this fear comes true, what's going to happen, or what will it mean? This is the part where I'm drilling in and asking which outcome frightens me. The third question is, will this affect my sense of emotional security, my sense of financial security, my sense of prestige, or my intimate relationships? And the fourth question starts off with this realization that there's likely something that I have done or thought to put myself in a position where I'm susceptible to this fear. Here, I search and ask, what was it? What did I do to put myself in a position where this fear had a chance to come up? I have found that it's because I took a particular action or because I allowed a selfish desire to take shape. I've also found that it's because I've attached to a particular outcome that I have desired. Or I have mistakenly gambled with my sense of self-worth. Or a combination of those things. So the fifth question is, Where did this selfish behavior come from? Did it arise from a sense of pride, of jealousy, dishonesty, greed, or other self-seeking motives? Usually, I find that just answering these questions helps me greatly. I can always tell if hit the nail on the head when, after exploring that fourth question I bit, 
I feel a sense of relief. Like, yes, that is what I've been doing. Also, I should mention that this is just a process to work on everyday fears. These questions are not designed to help anyone work through trauma or other forms of damaging emotional duress. I recommend professional assistance with these things. So in concluding our talk together today, I suppose I'd like to sum it all up by saying that this verse tells us that we are simply not qualified to manage death as a punishment. And how do we do this in our everyday lives? Well, I may not be threatening people with death, but I do try to use fear as a motivator sometimes. And not only with others. Mostly, I try to use fear to motivate myself. I've learned that when I do this, I am taking a huge risk with my sense of connection with the Tao. I'm playing with the tools of the master carpenter. The best things for me to do are to allow the Tao to handle outcomes for me and to make my fears irrelevant by realizing that I'm the one causing them in the first place. <laughs> I have found immense freedom from this process. I wish more for you. So that'll wrap it up today. Thank you for considering the principle of disqualifying ourselves from managing with me today. To close out this episode, I will leave you with a final reading of verse 74 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by Frederick Henry Balfour. If people do not fear death, why attempt to frighten them by capital punishment? Supposing the people are made constantly afraid of death, so that when they commit unlawful acts, I arrest them and have them killed. Who will dare afterwards to misbehave? For then there will always be civil magistrates to execute them. Now, the execution of people on behalf of the inflictor of the death punishment by those not legally qualified to do so may be compared to hewing on behalf of a master carpenter. And people who attempt to hew instead of a master carpenter mostly cut their hands. Thanks for listening to an episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living with your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. In each episode, we do four things. One, we read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, we break it down into everyday language. Three, we discuss my own thoughts and experience with the Tao. And four, we look at a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. I'm pretty sure that as I learn about and experience more of the Tao, all my thoughts and lessons will change. I wish the same for you as you grow along your journey. If you found something meaningful in this podcast and would like to discuss it with others, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe to the subreddit Taoism. That's reddit.com slash r slash Taoism. Also, I'd invite you to share this podcast with friends if you think it would benefit them. As always, I wish you love, compassion, and peace. Thanks for listening.